Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Have you recovered from the turkey hour? (laughs) Okay, once a year we do that, just once a year. Well, this week, kind of a treat. Now, in the past, of course, I have introduced you to a number of veteran writers whose work you have known, but you didn't really know their names. Well, I thought, let's bring on a couple of writers who are currently successful. And so, my guest this week and next is Annie Levine and Jonathan Emerson. Yeah, Annie's my daughter. That's how I got none of the other successful writers uh, would dare to come on this podcast. So uh, Annie and John are going to be here this week. They have been on Good Luck Charlie, Kevin Can Wait, Instant Mom, Call Your Mother. Currently, they're the executive producers of The Upshaws on Netflix, starring Mike Epps, Wanda Sykes, and Kim Fields. It's going into its third season. We're going to talk about uh, their origin stories, how they broke in, how you can break in. Uh, They'll talk about uh, what to look for in a spec script, what not to do in a spec script, and we'll also get into the topic of nepotism. Now, I should mention, since this is a typical podcast, that uh, from uh, time to time, way off in the background, faintly, you're going to hear their adorable nine-month-old daughter, Charlotte, uh, crying. Um, I guess Baba did not give her uh, corn muffins or whatever. She was upset a little bit. So, you know, that's way off in, in the background. So uh, if you hear that, uh, just know that nobody is torturing a child. Okay, here we go. Part one with Annie Levine and Jonathan Emerson this week on Hollywood and Levine. Okay, well, the first thing I usually ask writers is where they're from and did they always want to be a writer? So, John, I'll start with you. Uh, I grew up in San Diego and I figured out I wanted to write by trying all of the other things and realizing I don't like directing and I don't like Photoshop and I don't like uh, 
basically anything, but I just want to write it and have someone else make it and I move on to the next thing. Um, <laughs> I didn't go to college. Instead, I watched the Clerks 10th Anniversary DVD and there was a bonus feature where Kevin Smith showed a documentary that he made at Vancouver Film School and I thought, well, that looks easy. So I went on their website and the application was basically, what is your credit card? So I went there for a year in Canada, and they didn't teach writing, so I got a book on how to write. The blurb on the back was you. Uh, I didn't know who you were at the time. Um, still trying to figure it out. And uh, read it, and that was my writing education. And then I was very fortunate that the well, one of the heads of the program had just left to go work on Mad Men. It was a woman named Maria Jacques Matan. And she read my stuff from my childhood bedroom in San Diego and talked to me on the phone and gave me all kinds of notes and said, there's this class at UCLA you should take. Uh, it's this guy, David Isaacs. And I said, okay. So I signed up and I drove up to LA every week for 10 weeks. And at the end of the class, he pulled me aside and said, do you want a writing partner? And I said, yeah, I didn't really know what that meant, but... You know, it wasn't, please never write a script again. So I was willing to, <laughs> to roll with it. And that partner was Annie. And that's kind of how I got here. Okay, Annie, where did you grow up? I was going to say, you, should, you should really know where I'm from, Dad. <laughs> is this a long con to, to learn more things about your daughter? Um, I'm this from is, Los Angeles. This is, this is how you find out he's not really your dad. Yeah. <laughs> or he wasn't there when I was born. I don't know. Uh, I believe I'm from Los Angeles. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dad. Um, I grew up here. Uh, I did not always want to write. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I liked theater a lot. I was in productions in high school as chorus girl number five or anyone that wore an apron. Um, <laughs> so I didn't have major talent there. But I went to college completely undecided uh, and sort of found writing there. I started with um, Where'd you go to school? I went where, to, where did I pay? Where did my checks go? <laughs> I went to Northwestern. Um, again, could have gone to Saddleback. I, it's way cheaper. Uh, you were there, remember? It's oh, the one right. in Chicago. It's that's the cold right. one. Right. I'm the one who went to the cold school. So I went to Northwestern, and uh, I yeah, I started not even in um, school of communications, just in reg in. Um, uh, general school, and then I sort of found myself uh, initially in um, radio and te radio television film, um, but then I actually ended up in the performance studies program, I uh, which is more sort of interpreting different um, texts, literature, and anthropology texts, and all kinds of things into um, theater performances. Good, because for the money. I paid. At least you got an academic yeah. education. Okay. Um, so I, good I read things. How many times are we working on a script going, what's the anthropological um, <laughs> breakdown of this blow? Yeah, but there are like 13 people each year in performance studies, and Kristen Schaal was one. They find That's, 13 people willing to do this. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's the best major. How It's the most fun, fewest requirements. I don't know why you're... Don't questioning they, don't performance they, don't studies. Don't they not do it anymore? 
No, what they don't do any, oh. they do performance studies. What they don't do anymore is I was in the um, creative writing for the media program. That you use. Which I actually <laughs> use. And that they don't do anymore. Um, yes, which I applied to uh, my junior year and then uh, going into my junior year. And then I did my junior and senior year. And that was um, when I really started focusing on writing, I would say. I remember there was a time when we went back and you had written and directed some show, like about a bar mitzvah or a sweet 16 party or something. And I remember it was performed for an audience. So there was like 50, 60 people there. And it killed. <laughs> Thank <laughs> it, it, you. It just killed. And that's when I thought to myself, oh, my God, she's she's got the chops, you know? It's not just me, it's strangers <laughs> that that find her funny. That's so nice. They were probably drunk. It was still college. Uh, but yeah, I wrote a Take lot. Take the laughs where you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did a lot of um, writing for like the Jewish Theater Ensemble and for WAMU, um, which is the big um, student-written musical at Northwestern. Um, and uh, NSTV, which was like the... I don't know, the SNL of Northwestern, um, which was, you know, so I would, uh, I had a lot of fun doing, I had a lot of fun with the side activities, which are free. You pay all the stuff you spent the money for, uh, take it or leave it. I honed my craft in the parking garages of Santa Monica. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so you guys get out of college. Uh, Annie has a degree, and that was, by the way, uh, very memorable for me, going to your graduation, actually seeing you sit in a football stadium. (laughs) (laughs) That is unfair. I sat in a football stadium before. What you didn't see is me walking out this time, (laughs) me leaving at halftime. So you guys uh, both leave college, and you decided you wanted to get a partner. I did. And so I asked David, because I knew David was teaching that class at UCLA, and I said, is there anybody in that class who you think really has potential? And David said, yeah, you know, this this one kid. I, I feel bad if your classmates are listening to this. <laughs> well, that guy said no. So then I was like, what about me? <laughs> so, uh, so I... I read your stuff, and I thought, yeah, this is really good. And I, I gave you the information. I said, call them, don't call them, do what you want, but here's a possibility. So what happened? You called him? I emailed him. We. I don't think I even had his phone number. Oh, it was back in days of yore, yeah, 2010. <laughs> yeah. Ancient days of G-Chat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I believe I sent him an email and we exchanged scripts. Um, I think I, we both wrote thir- – we had 30 Rock specs. Well, first – We both traded pilots and 30 Rocks. And 30 Rock specs, yeah. And yeah, they were funny and we sort of talked on line for a while and it was – got to the point of, all right, I'm willing to see if I can stand to be in a room with this person. Aww. So <laughs> – <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing our wedding vows. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I drove up one Saturday and we just sort of met and talked and eight hours later went, oh, okay, I guess we kind of like each other. <laughs> and that was that was the start of it. Yeah. So the takeaway here is 
for for people that you know you you may get a great education, you know you may be in a great graduate program, but if there's a guy like John who is willing to drive up in traffic for ten weeks from San Diego to go to a writing class that that's the guy you're up against, and that guy is going to win yeah. because you want it more. Yeah, we've been in rooms with people that have master's degrees in writing. We've been in rooms with people that worked on tuna boats. There's no, um, <laughs> there's no one path. At the end of the day, you just have to sit down, write the thing, and the thing has to be good. And then you just have to get that sort of lucky ass break where someone says, okay, we'll try you doing this for a living. And then you just have to keep getting lucky breaks where more and more people keep saying, yeah, sure. Keep going. Yeah. But and, you also have to write the thing. But you, also, also... you have to write the, you have to write the thing. <laughs> We're We've around rat. a lot of people that, um, that are very focused on self-promotion right now. And I'm, well, I was, I was working on my Instagram. Yeah. I was just like, well, but, but I'm when not going to read that. So. Yeah. <laughs> when you do get someone that says, okay, what do you got? You have to have something. So you just have to write it. Mm-hmm. So you guys started writing spec scripts. Yeah, we figured it was easier to share custody of a community spec than a pilot. Mm-hmm. If it, In case things went poorly. If it flamed out, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we started, we did a community spec, and then we did a modern family spec. And then a Mike and Molly. No, then an original oh, pilot, which no we one will ever we see. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then a Mike and Molly, which is what actually got us our first job in a way that just never happens anymore. Right. And then a second pilot that we actually were willing to show people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So between the two of those, I believe the pilot was single camera and then Mike and Molly was a multi-camera spec. So um, Tried it all. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the elephant in the room, nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad's an optician. <laughs> well, so, so, you think a lot of yourself, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't do the blog anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I was going to say um, that you do have a bit of an advantage in the sense that you grew up around it, that you went to studios, you saw run-throughs, you were at way more filmings than most people. Uh, you basically dined off of our uh, craft services table. Uh, and so, in a sense, you did have that advantage going in. But when you guys started writing scripts... I might have given you notes on story, but I never gave you joke notes because I wanted to make sure that if somebody hired you based on your spec, that they were going to get that level of quality. So it's like I never punched up your scripts in that regard. Plus, let it be known, since you guys broke in and started selling... How many of your drafts have you shown me before turning them in? None. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> is I this don't, a trick is question? This a trick? Yeah. None. Yeah. Um, 
That is true. Uh, I will say John is always frustrated because I did grow up um, on sets. I went to Cheers as a little kid, obviously, almost perfect. We were at almost every week. But um, as John says, I didn't appreciate them because... It meant nothing to you. Well, I mean, I was a, I was a kid for a lot of those. So oh. I was having a good time, but I certainly wasn't studying the craft while I was there. You were studying craft services. Osmosis. I was studying craft services. Osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. You guys would come every time I directed an episode and... There were a number of years when I was bouncing all around from Just Shoot Me to Everybody Loves Raymond to Dharma and Greg and Wings. And um, you would <laughs> you would torment one of the um, one of the warm up guys. I don't want I well, yeah. He he did a lot of different shows, so it was a pleasure mm-hmm. to see I, I would have said we had nice banter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he felt otherwise. He hasn't she's killed an, himself, she, she but... Tortured yeah. 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 Tortured Whatever him. happened to that man? No. <laughs> he left the business yeah. shortly thereafter. Yeah. He had a promising career. He's just yeah. rocking back and forth somewhere babbling about this little girl that... About, had great banter. <laughs> she just kept asking for t-shirts. She just kept asking... That I wasn't allowed. I would cheer for that stuff, and Mom would always say, that stuff's for the tourists. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, there's a definite, as a beneficiary of your nepotism, there's a definite double-edged sword to it, where we got incredibly lucky, A, that you're very good at this, and thus we got to learn at the feet of someone so talented, and B, you weren't an asshole. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone we meet that sort of you know knew you or worked with you doesn't then immediately go, oh, well, now's my chance to get retribution <laughs> where I will. I mean, we were our very first um, sale was a freelance on a show with people you fired and you were <laughs> a obviously good enough guy about it that they didn't go, fuck no, we're <laughs> going to help these people out. Um, well, they're also lovely they're very, enough very people lovely. that they would be willing to read our stuff yeah. and give us a real shot and not be bitter the way, honestly, I probably would have been. <laughs> so they are much bigger people than I You've am. You've got your Arya Stark list. Yeah, that I just read every if night. If you ever have a kid that wants to write, I'm going to... But also, um, Dan Staley, who you... You worked with on Cheers. You worked with on Cheers, um, who we love dearly, and we and he read our stuff because he um, knew you. Yeah. But, and we've also were read I mean the big benefit is that you can get scripts into the hands of people. We were also read by friends of yours who said, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this is not the one. Come back to me with another one and we would, you know, curse them and then go, Yeah, they're right and write another one and keep keep trying. But mm-hmm. why sitcoms? Why did you guys want to write sitcoms as opposed to for late night comics or you know oh well daily show that type of thing um i'm not funny enough no <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like story and i started um like i said i started with plays and things like that so sitcoms to me are much more um theatrical not just to me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how they are they're much more theatrical and um 
I really enjoy that aspect of it, but I also really like the storytelling aspect of it, which is something you really don't get to do on, you know, late night show. Not that I wouldn't enjoy, and I did enjoy in college doing a lot of sketch comedy and things like that, but um, that wasn't what I that wasn't what really drew me. John, um, I mean, we're also odd in that we're. <laughs> sort of young and um <laughs> we love multicam which is kind of dying out and for me it's uh the people in the bleachers just the immediacy of hearing that laugh and knowing okay this is actually funny and the limitations of the form i find really challenging in a in a fun way you have three walls and two doors and you have to get people in and out and you have to do the exposition in a funny way as opposed to just sort of talking at the camera and getting it all out. And it's also just, uh, you sit in a room and you laugh all day. Like, I, I don't know what the law and order SVU room is like, uh-huh. or, you know, any of these just, okay. Cold case must be uh, just a how, how can we kill a child this week? <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch it. And I don't want to spend my time doing that. I mean, in, in comedy writers rooms, you, cumulatively maybe work two hours a day and the rest of the time you're just trying to make each other laugh and that's as good a way to spend a day as any yeah and i love a collaborative environment which a lot of dramas um dramas are much more from my understanding because i've never been in a room are much more we break the stories but then we sort of divide the scripts and people are off on their own a lot more. Obviously, they don't have to do as much punch-up. Right, <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I love being in a room, and um, I think sitcoms are where you get that benefit the most. I think it was interesting that at the time you guys were writing, and it's probably the same now, uh, people were saying, you need to do single-camera pilots. needs to be edgy. We need to hear a fresh, new voice. And you guys decided, well, you know, let's have a multi-camera spec just so that that we have it. And you chose Mike and Molly and asked me about it. And I remember saying, you know, all I know about Mike and Molly, it's a Chuck Lorre show. Just load it with jokes. And when you're finished, just put in 20 more and then put in 20 more after that. And and you guys did, and that's the script that pretty much got all the attention. Yeah, we, again, the luck factor, we happened to find sort of the one showrunner that still read specs. Um, people don't really do it now, although there's sort of a campaign to bring it back because a lot of showrunners are finding, oh, this person with this great, fresh, unique voice can't then conform themselves to a show can't write my characters can't write um anything but their unique special voice and that's not the job our showrunner wants a spec yeah our showrunner wants to respect we and um we agree you know we we have some pilots right now and if we're lucky enough to have them go we'll ask for specs because it is the job to sort of be handed a bag of tools and okay what can you do with it uh, but I don't, yeah, uh, because we're not trying to break in right now, I don't know as much about what the landscape is. I imagine there's still a lot of, like, we want this to be different and we want this to be edgy because even the things that they buy, it feels like 
have like a really interesting like pilot idea and then it's like what is episode two of this um and that was sort of what is act two of some of these uh but more than that we were told when we were trying to break in that someone broke in off a coloring book that was yeah so that's the worst we've heard get get a funny twitter account write a funny coloring book write um funny letters to company like we were told all kinds of no one wants to read a script scripts are long and we just (laughs) sort of um kind of tuned it all out anything that just sort of felt like that doesn't seem right we just sort of ignored because and kind of went into our space of okay what are we going to actually be asked to do what is the job we're actually trying to get which is write a half-hour TV show. So we should know how to write half-hour TV shows. And so we spent three years just writing script after script. And and then, yeah, the Mike and Molly is what happened to to break us in. And I will say that no one really that we've worked with um, has broken in off... Anything weird. Anything weird. It seems like a lot of... Uh, we know a lot of people that have bro- that have come up from being writer's assistants, but obviously were writing and had scripts and were showing scripts and getting assignments. Um, we know stand-up comedians that broke in. Again, you know, that's, writing, that's the, writing. writing the entire time. But we don't know anyone that has... Or at least, you know... I don't remember being in a writer's room with anyone that was like, I had... I did, I did a funny fortune cookie. Yeah, <laughs> and here I am. The showrunner was at Panda <laughs> Express and really loved my fortune cookie and tracked me down. Yeah, you just, you have to do the thing. It's kind of ironic that, yes, everyone wants to do a script that stands out, but doing a traditional multi-camera show that is funny is considered unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to find ways of and and that's why writing specs is so helpful too is you you have to find ways of giving showrunners something they haven't seen before. Now that we're on the other side of it and we're reading samples, it's like by the 50th, you know, I'm this culture or religion and I'm marrying someone that's this culture or religion and our families don't mesh or the 100th I'm 20 and I'm moving back in with my parents and I'm going to the small town. It's like you just I'm gonna get tell you so right now. sick of it. Sorry, I cut you off. If you, if your first five pages of the script are someone's alarm clock and them getting ready in the morning, I have stopped reading. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's what you're working on right now. Stop. Stop. <laughs> delete those five pages. You don't need them. She's ready. Now now what? <laughs> now what? <yeah. laughs> no, I mean and then and then like one of the funniest uh samples we have ever read was it came through and the title was The Jeffersons and we thought oh, someone wrote a Jeffersons spec and it was Thomas Jefferson <laughs> and <laughs> and his, you know, slave children and it was a family comedy and it was so just no one had done this and it was just inappropriate in all the best ways and funny, but there was still like a story and there were great jokes. And so you could see the sort of bones of the craft, the stuff that this person will be asked to do. And you could see, oh, this person just has a brain that is so different from anyone in the room right now because nobody that was in the room would have written this. And so that gets you a meeting where – 
you've demonstrated you can tell an actual story, you can write very funny jokes, and then there's something different about you. But Did you, you hire him? I don't think they already had. A, I really don't remember who the writer was. Uh, I believe they were already hired. I think they. Yeah. I think they got something pri- before we could yeah. even snatch them we up. We found that to be the case too. That we would be staffing and reading tons and tons of scripts, and you find one that you really like, and you call the agent, and the agent says, "Oh yeah, well they just signed on Friends. Yeah, or, yeah, they got like four other meetings. It's like the cream rises to the top, and everybody recognizes the same quality, the same good script. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Get that kid some corn muffins. Okay, that is part one of my two-part interview with Annie Levine and Jonathan Emerson. Next week, we're going to talk about current conditions. We're going to talk about the writing room. Also, working during the pandemic, which was quite a challenge, uh, writing in Zoom rooms, and the current state of comedy. That and a whole lot more. Uh, A programming note. Now, one of the features that I used to have in my blog when I had my blog was Friday Questions, in which readers would send in questions, and then I would answer them every Friday. And it was a very popular feature, and I thought what I would like to do for a future episode of this podcast is the equivalent of Friday Questions. So that means you are going to have to email me with your questions, and when I get enough of them, I will devote an entire episode to answering your questions. So if you have a Friday question, you can email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce and Jason Miller. Again, come back for part two with Annie and John next week right here on Hollywood and the Fire.